You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? Welcome into Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the Big Dog, Rick Watson. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Kudos to you for being out till 4 a.m. And <laughs> kidding. I'm here. I'm here. I didn't realize that when I have this little sleep, I do a pretty good Paul Giamatti impersonation. It's kind of fun. We, were, we figured that out during the break. As long as you don't look like Paul Giamatti, you're in good shape. Uh, a lot going on, man. And uh, my goodness. Uh, hey, we, we got to go back because you know, Andy talked about it yesterday. Now wait a minute. Let's talk about. Oh uh, yeah, what are we doing? Talk about that whipping that uh, Radford University laid on. How about Gardner. that? Yeah, you were what? So Will sends me a text last night. That was nice. You actually checked out the highs a little bit. Yeah, I was uh, putting a treadmill together last night, so I couldn't, you know, sit and watch the game. But I had it running behind on DVR. So when I finally finished with the treadmill, I came out and there was like five minutes left in the first half, and Radford had like over forty points at that point. <laughs> it was like. <clears throat> Wow. And you could tell it was one of those nights, like like Tech had against UVA was, on Monday. Night, it was very similar, where yeah. they were just throwing everything. It in. was, it was. And how many points did they have at halftime? Fifty three or fifty three? Yeah, which is the rec- which is their season high yeah. in the first half. Yeah, and they boy, did they, we needed that. And I liked that. I was telling the story. I mean, Justin Archer was our player of the game. He kind of set the tone early. Had another double double. He just said, "Rick, we just finally got together and said nobody was smiling in the pregame meal. Nobody was like." Had their head, earbuds in, and I walked away telling uh, Neil and the guy I said that, that was different. That was a little different. And he said we're just, we got tired. We're tired of it. We're embarrassed. So it finally got to them. They fall in the last place. This can't. This isn't. No, we're not going out like this. So we'll see. Three games left. Big one tomorrow. Longwood is playing very well. Commonwealth battle. Not. Un- it's it's very similar to Tech and uh, UVA. Is that a big rivalry? Yeah, Radford and Longwood. So. We'll see. We'll see how it goes tomorrow. But, yeah, a good first step to try to correct some things here. With the tournament just uh, two weeks away, it's here. Yeah, um, and where where is Gardner-Webb? I'm showing my ignorance. Where are they located? <laughs> no, no, you're you're not because not a lot of people – I had not heard of it until they joined the league. Boiling Springs, North Carolina. It's um, on the outskirts of Shelby, North mm, Carolina. See? That's, that's Western That North didn't Carolina. help you at all, did it? Not, yeah, it is. <laughs> well, you know who's from Shelby. Shelby. 
Dak, Dax Hollyfield's from Shelby. Is he really? Pretty pretty sure. We'll have to look it up during the break. But when you say Shelby, my brain goes Dax Hollyfield. Okay. Uh, so where is nice that? Town. Is that Western North Carolina? Nice town. Yeah, yeah. Like your head. Yeah, it is. Like um, it's Spartanburg's close by. You know, closer by things like that. Yeah. Yeah, you get off on eighty five and go through that way. So, so it's actually in South Carolina. Yeah, no, it's in North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. okay. Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Sounds like a Pixar movie. Radiator Springs, <laughs> Boiling Springs. <laughs> they built the interstate. Nobody exactly, comes through here exactly. anymore. <laughs> it's actually a really nice. It's a nice little town, and with the college is really nice. It's about a four thousand student. It's it's really that's nice. pretty big. It is, and it, they have nice facilities. We were checking out the football stadium. The baseball stadium is just wonderful. So hmm. they, have, they it's it's nice, and you know, artist Gilmore played there. John Drew played at Gardner Webb. So it's kind of cool. They have a little bit of basketball history there. I bet they have a better softball field than Virginia Tech does. A better softball stadium. Yeah. You know, everybody's got a better it's softball nice. stadium than Absolutely. Virginia Tech. It's it's turf. It, it, it's it's nice. Wow. It's we went by there too. Well, I, I know it's tough to make those trips and get back late, but at least they it won. At least they won. We're Woo-hoo. good doing it. All right. So I interrupted. What were we getting ready to talk about? Uh, well, I got a lot of stuff. You, uh, we were trying to talk about. Uh, you know, Andy was talking about it, and uh, you guys had a chance to sit down with Brent Pry, TSL. Mm-hmm. He gave you kind of an exclusive, which is really, really cool. And uh, it sounded like Andy and the way you guys felt. The way I always feel when I talk to Coach Pry, right? You can't help but feel positive because the guy's always positive. He's riding a high right now in terms of his popularity with fans. and He really is. You know, uh, <clears throat> I was at a basketball game recently. I don't remember which one, but, you know, they showed him in the front row and everybody clapped for him. And uh, did, Andy, did Andy talk any about the results of his uh, – um, No, but he set you up for that. Did he? Yeah, he said he was going to dive into the research, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. So today is tomorrow. <laughs> All right, so tomorrow f- is today. So forgive us, radio <laughs> listeners, while we um, scroll through. Glad the, you brought that up. So he did a fan survey, and I'm, I'm not sure how many responses he got. It was in the thousands. And, uh, you know, they asked, how would you rate Brent Prize's performance as coach? One is poor and five is excellent. Um. <clears throat> Barely anybody answered one and two. Like 1% of people answered one and two. And then three is 23, 23.9%. Four, which is one below excellent, was 62%. And then 12.8% of people said excellent. So that is that's 75 people answering, 75% of the people answering a four or a five there on a scale of one to five. There so, you go. Nice. As I said, he is um, riding a wave of popularity. And Andy had some comments. I'm sorry, I don't know them off the top of my head. We'll look them up during a break about, uh, no, here it is. He said, he said, I asked this question a couple of years ago at a previous outlet <laughs> meeting when he was with the Athletic <laughs> about Justin Fuente and only 7.1% gave him a four or a five. So Fuente got a 7.1% four or five and Pride just got 75%. <laughs> genuine article. See, peeps know who the genuine article is, right? There you go. And Andy phrased it uh, uh, humorously. He said, granted, that's comparing a coach two feet from the end of the plank <laughs> to one still rising in his tenure, but still. The, yeah, you there know, you go. It's pretty remarkable. That's pretty uh, cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. Um, and that's a, as far as I know, that's a freely accessible article. If you want. Yeah, it is. If you want to read it on Tech Sideline, it's at the very top of the website right now. It's called Results from Tech Sideline's Virginia Tech Football Fan Survey. Um, well, they're bracing for spring, man. It's coming, right? It's almost here. We're in March here in a couple weeks. Wow. 
Yeah, they're starting in middle of March, I think like March 15th or something like that, doing mm-hmm. doing four weeks of spring practice and then having the spring game, I think on April 13th, if I've got my dates correct. And I don't believe there's any broadcast information about the spring game yet. Let I think you're right. Up. I think um, you're right. I don't think I have seen anything at all. Yeah, we have uh, – all we know is it's at 3 p.m. We don't know if it's streaming or on the ACC network or what. My guess is the ACCN might uh, be showing a game at 12 or 1. I mean, they've done that in the past where they've run spring games like all day long. They pick they pick a weekend and they run as many as they can. Of course, there's <clears throat> 17 freaking teams in the conference mm, yeah, now. Yeah, it's a lot of spring games maybe. So you can't fit all the spring games in on, on one weekend. But my guess is they'll at least be streaming. And um, So we, we asked Pry about uh, general stuff like – Going into the spring, knowing so much of his roster and what they can do versus last year when you know, he had no clue. He didn't. He, he was did bringing not. in wide receivers. He was bringing in quarterbacks. He, he was bringing in running backs. He didn't know what he had. So this spring, he knows to a large extent what he has. And he, uh, he made what I thought was an interesting comment. And, and we, we iterated, reiterated this on our podcast uh, yesterday or the day before. <clears throat> um, as fans, we talk about all the returning talent, and we talk about the transfers, and we even talk about true freshmen, who's here and who's going to play. Right, right. And what we don't talk about are the kind of the, the hidden guys who were on the team last year, played some but not much. Mm-hmm. They're ready to. They're the depth guys. Yeah. They're, they're the guys. Like, he played, a, he played five true freshmen last year, and sorry, I can't reel them off the top of my head, guys like Caleb Woodson, Mose Phillips, and – and guys like that, Aiden Green at wide receiver. Um, and these are guys that, you know, they were 18 years old, you know, and they get thrown on a college football field. Well, <laughs> now they get to go through the offseason with strength and conditioning and a proper spring practice, which they didn't have last year, unless they got here early. Um, but he said, he said, that's what we're really excited about is that second level of guys, the guys that will provide the depth. And I hadn't thought about that till he said that. And, and everybody's – say, an eight, nine, ten wins next year. Well, a big part of that is guys who will be in their second and third year in the program and, right. and will be able to you know, improve depth. Yeah. So that was interesting. It is interesting. <laughs> but it just shows you again, it outlines, Will, his focus. I mean, he's just got such a depth about what he's looking <clears throat> at. It's not just, like you said, it's not just the obvious things that most fans look at or maybe we look at. I mean, he's looking at, because he knows his team, like you just said. I mean, it's cool that he's got that. I don't know. He's just got that understanding about how it has to look, and he's pleased with how it's starting to look. Because other programs have that. The ones that are going to contend for conference titles and the new playoff have exactly what he's excited about, this team. Yeah, foot, football teams always say, uh, football coaches always say, next man up. You know, well, sometimes the next man up There's isn't no any good. There's no next man, right? Yeah, he's there, but he's not any good. <laughs> he's Rick Watson after two hours of sleep. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you not play hurt? We don't want to put that guy in. He's, he's, a, he's a true freshman who's waving to the girls in the crowd, and he's like, what? I wasn't expecting to play. So he's, uh, he's got that going for him, which is good. No, it's good. It, it is a good vibe, and um, I'm glad to hear. I know the coaches are excited, and uh, – like you said, though, got to just keep people healthy. Now, that's the one thing you can never, ever, ever overstate. I mean, because it's going to happen at some point. Somebody's going to get hurt. So they, they got lucky last year that the two bad injuries, the one to Ollie Jennings and Nick Gallo, um, didn't hurt too much. I think the one to Gallo hurt 
in terms of blocking from the tight end position. Oh, yeah, he's a really good blocker. Yeah. Um, you know, Daquan Wright, who's since transferred out to, uh, I think, Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice pickup. Yeah. You know, Daquan, yeah. <clears throat> Daquan had a reputation for not being a real hard worker. Um, gifted athlete, clearly a gifted athlete, but a guy who was a little smooth in his arms and his tummy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I just, I, I, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Daquan down at Ole Miss, uh, just, just because, uh, I think he does have that rep of not getting the max out of his abilities, which is a shame because he's a really good player. So anyway, I think, you know, the injury to Jennings did not hurt. It hurt Jennings, and it was disappointing to see a guy who – he sat there on on our podcast set last year and said – and, you know, he was asked, what do you want to do? He said, I want to set some receiving records. I want to go for 1,000 yards, you know, and – Game one, one point one games into the season, he's out. He's for the out year. for the year. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think that hurt too much. I do think the Gallo thing hurt. Uh, he was part of the blocking struggles, particularly early in the season. So yes, few injuries as possible, and not to the wrong guys. To you, the you, wrong you guys. can always pick it like Basial Tootin and Kyron Drones. And I actually gave the same. No, last year my my guys who couldn't get hurt were Basial Tootin. And Antoine Powell-Ryle in APR. Didn't know what we had in, in drones. He was, he was barely on the radar. Well, this year it's still Basial Tootin. He's got to stay healthy. And Kyron Drones. Absolutely. And, you know, you can name other guys, but those are the two big ones. No doubt. And if you lose your quarterback in college football, mm-hmm. I mean, in most cases it cripples you. So that's the injury right there that you just have to try to prevent best you can. Now, you can't always do it. It's, not always, it's never anybody's fault. It just happens in football. Some guys are really good at dishing it out. Um, and Tootin and Drones are both good at that, but that doesn't mean that that guy can't just get caught wrong in a tackle no, or something no like question. that. Or the Super Bowl, the four, the kid for the 49ers, they're going out there to go run back out on the field to play defense, and he tore his Achilles. <laughs> Takes two steps, and he's on the ground screaming. I mean, that, it's just scary. And I, and I watched uh, – I'm trying to remember when and where I saw this. I saw the clip where uh, Phil Dracovic got hurt last year, and – he was just running to the yeah. sidelines, and he was being pursued by a defender. And the defender wound up like grabbing his shoulder pads and pulling him down, and his legs got caught up, and boom, Djokovic. Not that Djokovic was a great quarterback. Yeah, but that was actually that was actually I think the end of his quarterbacking career, right. pretty much. Right. He played against Tech and wasn't good. No. no. Um, and then I think they moved him to tight end or something. <laughs> yeah, they got rid of him. But it's just so random, you know. And that's not a small guy. Yeah. <laughs> well. All the noise that's going on with realignment still in the future, and there's so much stuff being leaked out about the Florida State lawsuit, and of course the Big Ten and the SEC, their shenanigans, and how they're trying to change the playoff already. And that's what Andy was talking about yesterday. You know, we haven't even had the 12 team playoff, and now they're talking about what about 14? What about 16? Because they understand that they want to have more opportunities for their own leagues, right? To have more. It's just the whole thing is just an absolute joke. Well, apparently they went into that wanting four teams from the Big Ten and four from the SEC. And then amongst the other four, probably still opportunities to get more Big Ten and SEC teams in. Uh, So what was the first thing you mentioned? Oh, Florida State. So, Oh, yeah, little excerpts are starting to be uh, leaked out, huh, from the case. It's it, interesting. It appears again. I'm. I'm. I don't, I don't know how to interpret all this stuff, but it appears that, from what's being said publicly, that it's almost like 
an opportunity to negotiate between the ACC and Florida State is starting to emerge. And Correct. That is an indicator that Florida State is going to get a chance to wiggle out of the ACC. Is that the way you interpret all that? Yeah, and I have been told that that is exactly why the ACC's changed their posture. That And what we said all along, the grant of rights is going to be broken, and they understand that it is going to be broken. So that's why now they're trying to change it around a little bit. Okay, look, maybe we should go ahead and just start figuring this out because the league is going to lose. They're going to lose if they decide to take this a hard stance and spend all this money uh, Florida State did not do this without having a pretty good idea they were going to be able to wiggle out of it. And apparently, from all the scuttlebutt, they have figured I don't know what it is. I don't have the answer as to what it is or what legal precedent they're using. But, yes, that's exactly what I'm hearing as well. I wonder how fast all of this is going to unfold. I think more quickly than people think, to be honest. I well, really do. It's certainly what happened to the Pac-12 was very quick. Came out of nowhere and happened quickly. Absolutely. So it wouldn't surprise me, yes, if this stuff here happened quickly. So here's another interesting outtake from Andy's fan survey. <clears throat> As a long-term home, in which conference would you like to see Virginia Tech play football? Oh, okay. Play football, not all sports. Right, just football, which is what we probably will get at some point. ACC, 41%. So the leading vote-getter was... Mm-hmm. Tech fans that answered the survey wanting to stay in the ACC. And there were no stipulations or details on what that ACC would look like. Right. But I take that 41% to be, can we just kind of keep things as they are? Yeah. Um, Second was the SEC at 39%. So right behind the ACC, Tech fans are saying, yeah, I want to be in the SEC. Despite what I imagine would be some some brutal games. Yeah, they're going to lose a lot of football games <clears throat> if that happens, but they're going to be secure for the rest of their existence. Now, I will say this, and this is a bit of a tangent and a rant. You know, when Tech entered the ACC in, in all sports in, in 04-05, there was this perception that the Hokies were going to get flattened in basketball. Basketball. Because they had been bad under Ricky Stokes. They had had <sighs> one year of <sighs> Seth Greenberg, which had ended on an uptick. But the thinking was they would get curb stomped in the ACC. First year in, they go eight and eight. Yeah. And, right there. and there is a demystification that occurs. And that, that happened when Florida State entered the ACC back in 1991, 92, mm-hmm. I think was their first year in there. I looked it up the other day. That was a nine team ACC. Florida State, in their first two years in the league in basketball, finished second in the ACC each year. Yeah. And I remember thinking back then, you remember Florida State came from the Metro, so I knew yeah. all about the Metro. Florida State was a run-of-the-mill Metro team. That's right. That's right. You know, they, they were in the upper half of the Metro, but the Metro was Louisville, Memphis State, and then, you know, Virginia Tech and Florida State. And Love the Metro. Yeah, you know. so Southern Miss is the Metro, weren't they? They were. Yeah. Now, now, that was the context <sighs> of Florida State going in the ACC is they came from the Metro. And then they roll in there to the big bad ACC and finish second in the regular season their first two years. And I remember thinking at the time, huh, I just kind of file in it away. Like the ACC isn't as great as they think they are. Florida State, a mediocre Metro team can just roll in and Roll right in and do it. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward that, you and I are sitting here saying, oh, if Tech was in the ACC, they'd get, they'd take some whippings. Well, maybe not. This is, well, we'll say this. They'll be challenged more regularly 
Yes. On a year in, year out basis than this horrible ACC. Now, schedule. if you're adding things up, if you're adding things up, I just gave you 80% for ACC and SEC, 14% for the Big Ten. Tech fans do not want to be in the Big Ten for no, football. No, and they don't want Virginia Tech in the Big Ten. They Which do is not. fine with me. That's just fine. All right, we've got to take a break. Come back. More with Will Stewart. We'll get into more of that. Talk a little bit about uh, the basketball team. They've got a couple uh, – the men's team's got a couple big road games. I don't think they're anywhere near NCAA consideration, but they can help out if they get two wins here coming up. And, of course, uh, the swan song for uh, – Three very important Virginia Tech women's players at home on Sunday against Carolina. All right, we're at the bottom of the hour. More coming up with Will Stewart from Tech Sideline. Problem with Will being in here is this segment just flies by, man. Wow. We're coming up halfway home on the finally Friday edition. Stay with us. Stay awake there, Rick. (laughs) By the way, it's Rose Royce, not Rolls Royce. Nine of them. Nine of them in this band. That's awesome. They look so happy. Everybody looks looks so happy. (laughs) That's good stuff. That's a groove there. Love that bass. Now that's hard beat. Here it comes. Yeah, I gotta get to the yeah. yeah. Oh, can't you see? I wanna get next to <laughs> Good stuff, man. Nice, man. Good call. Good call. Will Stewart in studio with us. You know what I watched the other day was uh, the second half of there was a 1998 uh, miniseries about the Temptations that ran on <coughs> Ooh, television. Really? Um. Yeah, it was a, a two-hour part one and a two-hour part two. And Oh, uh, that's cool. It was good. I love stuff like oh, that. Oh, man, and the best part of it was when they played uh, Papa Was a Rolling Stone, and they played what felt like the entire song with just like a montage of things that were going oh, on with the band wow. at the time. Because that band had a lot of turmoil over a long period of time. And uh, yeah, it was did. just a, it was a really well done, you know, 1998, the, the actors were good. And, and that one scene in particular where they're, they're, they're doing uh, Papa was a Rolling Stone, you know, with that, that guitar at the beginning, you know, and just really, really well done. I enjoyed watching that. If you ever get a chance to see it, check it out. I will. I love those rock documentaries like that. You learn so much. Well, this was, uh, it was, uh, uh, you really do. It wasn't a documentary per se. It was based on, uh, I think, one of the band members. His name was Otis Williams. Otis had, Otis had written an autobiography, and so they turned it into a miniseries. And uh, oh, really? Yeah, and that was the basis of it. So it was, it was dramatized. It wasn't documentary style. So good stuff. 
Well, it is good stuff. It is good stuff. Being in a band had to be the most rewarding things for obvious reasons, but also the most difficult thing to be in, right? Being in a, a successful rock and roll band. You know, the guys just, the, the artists back then just in a lot of cases just didn't make much money relative to their success and their fame. You know, like these guys, like like after the Temptations had been around for 10, 15, 20 years, the band members in, in the show were saying, man, we got to keep going. I need the money, you know? Why do you Why? need, you've been super successful <laughs> for well over a decade. Why is it you still live what? in pain, you know? What? And I'm, I'm not saying that they were spending their money poorly. It just apparently they didn't get much. You but know? it does make you think, you know, the same thing with Michael Jackson before he died, right? Mm-hmm. He was getting that tour together because apparently he had to have maybe it was to cover legal fees i don't know or lawsuits but yeah he was all of a sudden a little short on money i'm thinking you're the biggest star in the world you're making you can you're worth it and you've lost your money the collapse of the music industry (sighs) um does not break my heart because most of the people that were in the music industry were scumbags and the artists didn't get the money they deserved they did not Especially the female artists, they didn't get anything. They get a chance for the most part. Yeah, and so and so now, you know, uh, if if you are good, then you can go on tour and make a ton of money, and good for them because the money's going to the artist and not the record company. Absolutely. But that's a that's a whole another. It is. That's another. That's another Wall Street episode. So so let's let's talk hoops. Um, Little hoopsters and boy, I tell you what. I mean, it was nice to speaking of how great it felt uh, or how it feels this morning from a Radford perspective. But sure, Tech basketball fan feels the same way after Monday night. <laughs> what was in the water in the NRV this week? The Tech women go to Louisville and blow them out. Everybody, yeah, everybody blew everybody out. You're right. You know, UVA comes here and. The Hokies blow them out. And then Radford goes down to Garner-Webb, Garner and Garner-Webb just looks like the number one team in the Big South. No, no. That, yes, have some. Let's, keep, let's keep, keep it going. How are the Radford Bobcats doing? I haven't been paying I attention. Don't know. I don't know. Are they beating teams by 30? I don't, I don't know. Good question. Good question. Yeah, that, that game Monday night, boy. I mean, it was uh, – Last night I was watching uh, – I don't remember what I was watching. I think it was an ACC women's game. I think it was UNC and NC State, and they did a promo for a men's game, and they're still talking about Tech UVA. It's Thursday night, and they're talking about, you know, well, UVA, because they were promoting UVA's got UNC this weekend, and they were promoting that, and the announcer said something like, well, UVA has a better night than they had against Virginia Tech. (laughs) Three days later, they're still talking about that blowout. Oh, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. And the Hokies did it with uh, uh, Hunter Couture and Sean Padula. You know, that was, yeah. I don't think either of them even scored in double figures. That's impressive. It was all Kidd and Nickel and Poteet and Barron all just blowing UVA out. And Pitt was the hot team, right? And then they got yeah. destroyed. So you don't know. Maybe Texas catching them at a good time. Who knows? Who knows? Wake, you know, Pitt, Pitt got blown out at Wake. And Wake is a, just a tough place to play. Wake Forest is not good on the road, but they have, I think they're undefeated at home. Yeah, you know. So anyway, uh, that that man that that game Monday night. I what can you say about that? That I was looking at UVA, just thinking, really, you know, they they had they had been ranked previously, so they're on the fringes of the top twenty-five. They're the number three team in the ACC. They've won, you know, four straight road games, and boy, that team I saw Monday night did not look capable no. of. And, and so it's just one of those nights. Where tech was just hitting everything, and it just got you just get demoralized, you know. So, a lot of fun, and Virginia Tech fans needed that. Uh, they they get down on the uh, on the basketball team, like you know, 
Last Saturday, they lost at UNC 96 to 81. And, and our message board went nuclear. And I'm like, that's the number seven <laughs> team in the country. And you're playing at their place. And, and they were coming off a loss, uh, the two losses. So they were like, yeah. Well, yeah, it was their turn to win. Yeah, and yeah. and you, you lost to them by 15 on the road. That That's not bad. Chill. I mean, I know you hate yeah. losing to UNC because it's UNC. Right. But that's not worth losing well, your you mind. You weren't going to win that game. You weren't. Just, so just, yeah, right, right. By the way, Radford lost to Martinsville last night in the regions. So there you go. Peeps letting us know. Radford High School. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess they're out. And I guess they're done. Yeah. That's a shame. But yeah. we knew it was going to be a rebuilding year. New coach, new you know, new players. So maybe they'll build it back up. Yeah, that was a quite a run that Cormany had, yeah. you know. And and I remember when they started winning state championships, saving the newspapers and everything, and, and then they just kept winning state championships. <laughs> they don't need that now, do we? So you're looking at the newspaper, going, oh, Radford won another one. Should we keep this one? I don't know. <laughs> the, old, the, old Bev Davis, right, right. the old Bev Davis line, we don't hang banners in uh, – in the uh, gymnasium, unless they're state championship right, right. banners, yeah, there's right. a lot of those. They have in a lot of those. A lot not, of those. I mean, not just basketball, all kinds of sports. Um, so you know, I don't know, Rick. You know, the, the old thing is that Tech's uh, computer numbers are solid. Looking at the computer numbers, Virginia Tech's a NCAA bubble team because that's where that's where Virginia Tech lives. They live on the bubble. You know? <laughs> that's true. They're going to change the name to Bubblesburg, <laughs> that's very true. Virginia. Uh, <laughs> take it one game at a time. We'll see what happens at Pitt. That's uh, five thirty tomorrow. And um, Pitt, before they lost to Wake Forest, they were arguably the hottest team in the ACC. Absolutely. Maybe UVA was up there with them, but absolutely. But Pitt, Pitt was that that horse that coming around the turn is is in last. And as it goes down the stretch, it just gets towards the front. And that's what they were doing. Yeah, they were. But now, I mean that that guy Henson for them is. Pretty unbelievable. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see him. I play, have, but, yeah. yeah. I, did. I watched him when they beat Duke, and I was very impressed by him. But the league, you know, it keeps not – you know, David Teal talked about this Wednesday. They keep knocking each other off, though. I mean, it's a competitive league, but this is why – I mean, latest bracketology has four teams in, and it looks like that – I mean, it's very solid. I know it's still early, but somebody's going to have to really step up to kind of break into this thing. Their reputation is not good right now with the – overall, anyway. And Till's talking about how the non-conference kind of backfired on them because they people played tough non-conferences, but it's really hurt their overall resume. Right. So Teal's article was very good. It was very good, and I, yeah. I encourage you to to look it up and read it because everybody got used to the RPI scheduling model, which was That's don't right. play bad teams. That's don't right. Don't play bad teams. It's not that way anymore. And it's not that way anymore. So the the net has a a large component based on efficiency ratings. So it's actually better in the net to play a crappy team yeah. and blow them out That's right. than it is to play a good team and lose by a little bit. Which so makes no sense. You are not rewarded for a tough out-of-conference schedule right. like you used to be. The net's broken. Yeah. I don't like that. Now, the net isn't the only decision-making no, criteria. thank God. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, Teal went through how the average strength of schedule out-of-conference in the Big 12 is like something ridiculous, like 200 or something. Yeah. They're not playing good teams right. out of conference. Right. And so they're building up a huge net. Once you go into conference play, the the general net of your conference is set. And all you're doing is beating each other. Which, you're not, you, you know. And that's what's happening, exactly. So it's so the, the ACC has made the mistake of playing too many hard games out of conference, which actually lowers their net, unless you win all of them like Clemson did. Clemson won 11-1. and one. Right. 
<clears throat> you have to pretty much. And Virginia Tech went eight and three with some good out of conference wins, and that's why their net numbers are still kind of solid. The Iowa State Boise State games really kind of helped them. Man, that, that Iowa State tremendous was incredible. So anyway, you play you play ten, eleven, twelve games out of conference, then you play twenty in conference. So. If you don't establish yourself before you go into the conference, then the entire rest of your yeah, season is yeah. eaten up by the conference schedule. And that's what's happening, which is why four teams look like it's the consensus now, unless there's a surprise here and there. So we'll see. I we'll just, see. I don't Who see knows? Every, there, there is no changing this. this no, they're no, stuck I think here. This year, now. I think you're right. I yeah. think you're right. So they need, they need to schedule, in air quotes, better. Better, by, yeah. By scheduling weaker teams, as, as contradictory as it seems. Not the case on the ladies' side, where at least nine teams are expected to get in. I mean, talking to Evan Hughes a couple weeks ago, I think that's correct. Kenny Brooks said the same thing here on the show. Uh, this league is just a runaway freight train. I mean, the SEC is is very good, but uh, the the ACC on the women's side, man, it is it's fun to watch. And here is this team in Blacksburg once again now reasserting itself as the best team in that league. They have another chance to make another statement because Carolina will reference it. They beat NC State last night um, coming in here to Blacksburg. And it's going to be the final game for the big three coming up. And uh, it's going to be a lot of emotions. But, you know, people have been talking about it. I'm like, yeah, it's emotional, but they're all getting paid. So it's not as emotional as it would have been. (laughs) You know, it's a little different. But, uh, yeah, there's no doubt. There's going to be a lot of of different emotions on uh, Sunday in that game. Yeah, I can't – so, so you you brought up a lot. First of all, let's address the ACC standings with Syracuse and uh, NC State losing last night. Virginia Tech is now a game and a half up on everybody. Not everybody, but the next closest team, then two games up and three games up. I believe the Hokies are two games up in the loss column. I don't think anybody – like Tech has two losses, next closest Correct. team is four. Yeah, I just called it up. That's exactly right. And if you look at the number two, three, and four teams in the conference, Tech has beaten all of them. So, even if somehow somebody behind Virginia Tech catches them, Tech has the tiebreakers. So, basically, if Tech wins Sunday, they've actually locked up the ACC regular yeah. season championship yeah. with like a week or two to go. Um, so, so, there's that. Uh, now, as good as Tech was last year, they did not win the ACC regular season. They, fin- right. they finished second or that's third. That's right. Um, so, that's a, that's a big deal. You might sit there and say, oh, they are Final Four last year, so what? Well, they have not won the ACC that's regular right. season, so that's a big deal. And, you know, regarding Kitley and, and Amor, um, I equate that to having Michael Vick and Corey Moore on the same team. It's like that. Uh, Amor is a generational player. Kitley is an all-time player. Uh, who's going to break her records? Nobody. She's been. She's. I looked her up last night. She started – Every single game of her career for five years. <laughs> As a freshman, she averaged 12 points and eight rebounds a game. And she's playing almost 40 minutes a game now, so it never comes off the floor. The numbers are ridiculous. They will you never say never, but her records will never they get will broken. They will never be broken, yeah. yeah. I think she's at 2,600 points and 1,400 rebounds and – Nobody's ever catching. Nobody's going to catch it. So she is a like like literally a Mount Rushmore. You she's an Angela Tincher type. Yeah, she's the last of her type. Yeah, there's somebody no like that yep. will never go through your program again. Um, 
And I, I sit there and I say that, Rick, and I look at the numbers and I still don't grasp it. And you know when it's going to sink in is when you go to your first game next year and Kitley and Amor aren't there. Yeah. And, and that's not to disparage the players that they have coming up through the program. I know. They're going to be fun to watch and fun to see them develop. But, yeah, you're going to spend a year missing those other two. You better believe it. Now, now George is eligible to come back next year, but, but I, I just don't think she, she has will. no plans to come. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and David Cunningham, David Cunningham that writes for us is around that team all the time. He covers every game. And he says that the way Georgia talks, she's not coming back. No, no. She came back because Liz came back and they all got the same type of treatment. She wanted to be one more year with this whole thing. Yeah, and, and if I was Georgia, I wouldn't come back either because the the from a team standpoint, there's nowhere to go but down. There's no, no matter how good it, Georgia yeah, is right, and how good the right. rest of the players are, they will not be running up records like this next no, year. No. Um, so you so you got that. And then without Kitley to take the pressure off, Georgia's already getting double teamed and trapped and things like that. Come back next year and see how ugly that is. Yeah, gets. she won't have a good year next yeah. year if so, she's back. So she knows that. You, you got to know when it's time to go. And, and She does. Yeah, it's uh, – and, and, and I, I want so much for this team to be successful um, because they're so good. I want it for them. You know, as, as an observer of the program, I would like to see them accomplish something that's never been done at TAC, which is win a national championship. Right. Um, some teams are good game in, game out. Virginia Tech is – they're a little inconsistent, and the inconsistency comes from – first of all, Kitley's out of her mind. She's gotten to where she's good every game. Amor's shooting comes and goes. Yeah. And then you got Kayla King and Matilda Eck and Olivia Samil. Come they're, and go. They're really the ones yeah, that – they got to be, yeah. Like, you look at what they did against Louisville on Sunday, and, and, and a lot of it was because of Eck. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and the, la- the other thing I want to say about that game is uh, it, I've been telling people all week, it's not just how well the Hokies played at Louisville. It was the look in their eyes. You know, teams get that look where they're just – yeah, we're going to roll in here and flatten you. And I'm not saying they're talking no, smack does. and all that no, stuff. No, no, no. It, it's it's actions, and that's that's the way Radford looked last night. It was different. We all noticed it was visible. You're right. And, the techs looked that way for a while now on the ladies' side. And there's a huge industry of sports psychology trying to figure out how to bottle that. How do we get that? <laughs> yeah. How do we get that every single game? Yeah. <laughs> They've been trying for decades now, and guess what? You can't. You particularly can't get that every game at the college or high school level because these are young people. And, you know, some days they're on and some days they're not, you know. So, anyway, that's my – No, I agree. My I take agree. on the women's team. They're a lot of fun to watch, and I just – I just I, I don't grasp what I'm looking at. I know. I know, with her in particular right now. Yeah. All right, final statement coming up with Will Stewart here on this finally Friday edition. Come on back with me. Watching Jan Hammer looking all pensive as he's watching scenes from Mammy Bicelet. <laughs> Playing his synthesizer and looking thoughtful. She's the inspiration. Yeah! There we go. <laughs> hey, he nailed it. 
He can look as pensive as he wants. This was wonderful. Beautiful thing. You know, I've got a uh, Miami Vice playlist on my Spotify. I ought to play that. So I was oh, just yeah. going to go to the gym. Absolutely. Great stuff. There's the flamingos. All right. Had to get that. I think, get I that. think Smuggler's Blues came from uh, Miami Ooh, that's Vice. That's right. It did, didn't it? Man, I love Smuggler's In Blues. In the air tonight. Got a reprieve because, oh, my goodness. I, th- I think that was on episode one, yeah. the very first episode that they yeah. used that song. Yeah. Um, you can argue that Miami Vice and their use of music is what drove up the cost of music rights. I agreed. I don't think anybody had ever threaded music into, yeah. a, into a TV show like, like that. that. Yeah. And then it got expensive. Absolutely. Have we ever talked about the movie Baby Driver? Oh, yeah. No, we haven't. I, I like that movie. That is. Movie. That's, that's prob- son, that movie's probably in my top ten. My son and I watched it a couple weeks ago, as a matter of fact. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can watch that over. It's got so many good elements in it. The action is good. It's, it's a love story. The um, the music is good. Brighton Rock from Queen. I love the way they handle that. Yeah. 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 And and when they play tequila and the gunshots yeah, are like yeah. threaded Jamie Fox into Fox is tequila. great in that movie. That's, yeah. that's a good movie. That, that, you're right. Yeah, that is a great movie, and uh, um, I've got the. It's a playlist. It's not the soundtrack, you know, but the the song "Bell Bottoms" by the yeah something yeah. blues explosion. I can't remember the first name, but I I texted my son the other night. I'm like, don't play "Bell Bottoms" when you're actually driving your car <laughs> because you're. That's the song they use in the very beginning when they have this awesome chase scene, mm-hmm. and it just makes you want to drive fast. Yeah, and you're learning about, oh, that's Baby Driver. I get it. Yeah. Speaking of car, where's, where's, am I ever going to see the cop car again? You will. I mean, you saw it last week. That's it's actually true. in the shop. It's getting a uh, uh, couple things fixed in the driver's door. I think the driver's door is probably hit because <laughs> the, the lock doesn't work. And yeah, the, I got and you. The, and the switches are coming loose on the window. Great stuff as always, Will. Appreciate you spending time. Thank you, sir. Hour three coming up. Jen and Mike Ashley, stay with us. The Power Hour, straightforward. forward.